Welcome to A Savoured Life, a podcast that inspires you to live a more fulfilled life with mindful writing, intuitive cooking and creative inspiration. I'm Sumaya Osmani, your host, and I'm here to help you on the path to a slower, more savoured life. Each episode is filled with creative expression, freeing our preconceived ideas that hold us back from truly fulfilling our potential. In this episode, we are joined by a guest who will talk to us about the love of herbs and how they can add not just flavor to our food, but how growing them at home can add such a sense of the coming of seasons. Today, I'm joined by Mark Diacono, a food writer, a grower, a photographer, and author of 13 books, and he is known for his commitment to sustainable, ethically produced food. Mark was the head of the garden team at River Cottage for many years before setting up Otter Farm, Britain's first and only climate change farm. He is also the author of Herb, A Cook's Companion, which is a beautiful book all about how growing herbs, cooking with them, using them in your food and in your life. So I want to welcome Mark. How are you, Mark? Good morning. Yeah, I'm really well, thank you very much. And I'm delighted to be here. Oh, thank you so much for joining me. Now, I'm really excited to talk to you about this topic because herbs are more, you know, people think that I love spices, but herbs actually do me a lot more in the kitchen. And uh, I really want to know how you actually began your journey, not just with herbs, but generally just doing what you do. Mm. Yeah, well, it... I didn't mean to. I mean, you know, I'm not one of these, not one of these people who was kind of raised on their mother's knee and, you know, three foot deep in uh, mint and uh, homegrown potatoes at all. No, I came to it pretty late, I would say. Um, Largely my wife's fault. She, um, when I met her, she was really into gardening and really, um, you know, loved the whole outdoor growing things. Um, And... I would say mostly flowers and all of that, and but um, I realised that I needed to do something out there. I used to just take I used to take the radio out there on a Saturday afternoon and just listen to the football, uh, and, <laughs> and get quietly bored. And um, I realised that it was about time that I did something, um, you know, a bit more interesting out there. Um, so I I did I guess what most um, men uh, who don't know what they're doing would do is get some potatoes, <laughs> put them in the ground, and see what happens. And and it, it really was quite, there were, it was a kind of double revelation in that the first lot was so good. They were kind of nutty and small and delicious and amazing. Mm-hmm. And then the, the kind of later ones were really ordinary. And it, it was um, it was sort of investigating that that made me realise that the difference in both varieties and the way you grow things, but also uh, the nature of growing different food could give you different pleasure, even if it was kind of homegrown. You know, there were there were sort of upgrades you could constantly do. So it was a it was a real kind of awakening, not only to the deliciousness of food, but the pleasure of growing, but also the kind of the the role that the individual has. You know, that this was a very expressive kind of thing. Yeah. You know, all the choices that you might make, uh, even about the seemingly small things, can make such a difference to the pleasure you get from it. Absolutely. And I think what what's incredible about growing and I, I mean, I'm a bit of a novice with this, but I know what's really incredible is that you can try things and if they don't work, then they don't work. But if they work, you've got something completely new on your doorstep that you can you know, use in your food um, in every different way and you can find different ways of doing it. And I think it's so inspiring to see things that you can actually pick from outside and then incorporate them and put them on your table oh, it's, i think there's something yeah it's it's a it's a really um it's a really peculiar thing i mean it and, and and it's really lovely to hear you say that about how um if things go you know it, 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 it 
you, you've sort of implied there that you can't guarantee anything and that's really true and I think that for a long time yeah. certainly when I was starting off there was this idea that um the, there was this kind of perfection you had to aim for you know and and there really isn't you yeah. know get, getting um one of the things I wrote in my first book which was the kind of river cottage veg patch book was that you know start small and build up from there it's much easier to build from big success uh, from a small success than it is come back from a big failure you know and I think that was a lot of it I think people would kind of think well it's an allotment or nothing and that's mm. really not the way it is you can you can suit everything to your scale your time your inclination your money your resources in other ways and um, just do it the way that suits you you know Absolutely. And I think that I am one of those people just wanted to look for perfection. And I began my growing journey with doing every vegetable out there. And of course, <laughs> didn't do very well. So that is actually how I decided that the one thing I could grow and not always kill were herbs. Mm. Um, and so I decided to just go down that route for the time being because I actually got it right. So that's the way to go. <laughs> that was the funny thing. Yeah, it is yeah, the way absolutely. to go for sure. Yeah. So, um, so a little bit about your growing connection, and obviously you love cooking. Mm. But how did all the writing tie into that? And how did you feel that you were ready to sort of write about growing as well as, I mean, obviously cooking? But how did you really feel confident to write about growing? Uh, well, that's. Um, I don't think I did. Uh, what what yeah? What, <laughs> what happened was, um, I mean, this is probably I don't know. This is two thousand and two. I started a blog so it was you know I was a very early blogger um and yeah. it was it was not to be outward facing it was really to be um somewhere that I could record what I was doing I didn't publicize it I mean there really wasn't a way of publicizing it then you know where that mm. was way back before even things like Twitter and Instagram and so on so um I just wanted to record what I was doing both photographically and uh in words and and a lot of it really was sort of diaryish writing, you know, and it, mm. it was a lot of it was really just you know not spectacular in any way at all. There's no reason it would be. I had no I had no background in writing other than kind of academically, you know, um, and it just sort of I I don't know. I just think I found my the, the longer you do something that makes you feel awkward, the more. The, the, the less hard it is to kind of sustain the awkwardness, if you know what I mean. You've got to you've yeah, got to keep writing, absolutely. and I think that's that's the that's the thing I think is really important about writing. You've got to go through the feeling of standing in the middle of the road with nothing on. You know, you've you've just got to do it. Yeah. You you do, and um and keep keep trying different things. Keep looking at different ways of coming at stuff. Don't use you know all all the obvious stuff but actually people make these mistakes all the time understandably because they're trying to leap over the kind of the the, the fence and become a great writer and they don't dress up in other yeah. people's clothes too much i mean i sort of said exactly. i did, very early on i think i started i i was no i noticed what people like monty were doing um and mm -hmm. how they wrote and i found uh, that was interesting because that was maybe my first experience of reading like a writer rather than reading like a reader and yeah and I and I really liked that I like the fact that his his writing is Monty Don's writing is very sort of tight and fatless and yet still reads beautifully and lyrically and all of that and I that was quite a good lesson I think I think read you've got to read well to be able to write well I think um and I'm a terrible reader which maybe tells you all about my writing but um <laughs> you've got to try you know you've got to keep working yeah. at it and this is um 
a really important thing. But yeah, that's how it started 20 odd years ago, blogging. Uh, and I just kept writing until it got less worse. Yeah, I know exactly what you mean. Um, and I think that it's that, you know, and I think we're able to, we always think that if we write, it has to be this, you know, like you said, beautiful and perfect. Mm. But really, if you just write is how you see things and how you feel things, that is just the beginning of it. And when you start to, you know, lean into how you feel, how you actually see the world, you begin to actually find it quite seamless because you're not trying to write. Mm. You're just speaking mm. in a way, but you're putting it down in the way that you see it. And I think that's why I really quite like the connection that you have with you know exploring the natural world and how it can you know how its bounty gives to us um, and then creating recipes that obviously go with that bounty and then telling the story of that and that's something I actually love about Herb the book as well is that you've you know you've connected all those three you've done a bit of storytelling but you've also done you know the factual ways of growing certain herbs but also the inspiration that they offer you to cook mm. And I really love the way you do that. And, you know, as you said, oh, I don't know, I just did it. I just used to write. But it's actually quite a wonderful way to be telling a story because you're multi-layering it. And and that's a really, really great gift that you, you know, you have. That's very lovely of you. I think I, I, I kind of know where the germ of that came from, weirdly, which is yeah. um, years ago, you know, kind of 25 years ago, I realised that I was relatively unemployable, I think, you know, I wasn't sort of, I, yeah, I wasn't really given to the kind of, you know, um, get up for a certain time to get on the bus, to get on the tube, to get to somewhere for a certain time, and then everything gets allotted to a certain job, and you know, a task or whatever, and then you clock off and then you want to, I, 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 I find it very difficult to separate um, different parts of myself you know to be mm. at work one minute and at play another and that's not necessarily a good thing but I realized that's how it was and I think I, I sort of made a decision when I started writing and doing any of this sort of stuff was that I was not gonna I'd had enough of pretending to be somebody else to fit a role that would pay me yeah and I didn't want to do that anymore so I thought well you know I, I, I like it or not I'm gonna I'm gonna, I have to be me, you know, so I have to, I don't want to be a writer who writes like this and then a person who's like that. You know, I, I do, I do sort of see and feel connections in the world, whether they're kind of direct ones, but I, or, 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 or you know, I, 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 I know I write a lot of kind of, there are a lot of musical references and stuff in, in my books or landscape mm -hmm. references and things, yeah. but they're, they're because they switch on the same lights in me and, and I think yeah. that's um that I think is really really at the heart of it is that I'd rather not have another job it's the thing I don't yeah. I don't want to be you know and of course hey I write uh you know magazines papers books and stuff you know I've got a job and, I, and I'm very disciplined about it and I spend a lot of time doing it and I try and improve and I'm very dedicated to it and stuff but I didn't want to feel like there was another boss you know I'm not I'm yeah. not very good with that you know I wanted to just be and do as I can with the compromises you need to kind of, you know, yep. do the whole thing. But um, that's where it comes from. It's, it's tired of trying to be somebody yep. else. Oh, I, I hear you, Mark. I'm <laughs> exactly the same. I, 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 I quit a legal career to do this and it was exactly the same motivation, mm. trust mm. me. Um, so let's focus a little bit about uh, herbs now mm. and just about the real heart of growing them. And, you know, I mean, you wrote a whole book on them. So obviously you're highly inspired by them. But 
I know that it's it's quite daunting for people to grow them at home because when we, you know, most people think of herbs, they think of those little pots that you can buy mm-hmm. in the supermarket, which some of them can be actually okay. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I just want to know what it is. Where does one start to grow and why should one start to grow? I, I think um, it, if there was, you know, and I do say this to people, if they're starting off and they're, they're always like, what, you know, tell me what should I grow? You know, I, I, I feel like I kill everything. Uh, I haven't got that much time, <laughs> I've got that much space. The, the answer is always herbs, but the the kind of sub answer is grow the perennial herbs, the ones that you mm-hmm. can buy as small plants um, and that will go through the winter, they'll come back up the next year or they'll start growing again next year. They don't need nursing from a seed. Um, so things like, you know, I'm talking about things like rosemary and thyme and mint, uh, you know, mm-hmm. uh, lovage. All of these are pretty hard to kill. Um, you can, you, you know, something like mint. I mean, mint, I, I've i run over a mint in a tractor and it's had a mower on the back. So it's sent the mint, you know, in a pot in little shards everywhere. And then the rabbits have got at it and still... It sprung back in, you know, you've really got to take out several attempts on its life to even get vaguely hopeful of killing mint. So yeah. um, I would always head for those. And if you only get, I don't know, a handful of brilliant herbs like the ones I've mentioned, there are many others, um, you can change every meal you eat. And I think that's something that I find so incredible about herbs is that you can, you know, if you've got a, if you've got bay leaves, you've got rosemary and you've got coriander, each of those will take potatoes off in completely different directions and that's extraordinary yeah. you know you, you the main thing is still there it's potatoes right but yeah you can take them in completely different directions and i think that's such a powerful thing and all of those herbs you can just grow in pots by the back door you don't need space you don't need time um and it's a simple way into it the glorious loveliness of it but then you can even even then even just grow in a few herbs by the back door in containers that are hard to kill that will give you an easy harvest. Even then you get to play with the the bonus that comes with growing some of your own food. So, you know, things like thyme, you can go for lemon thyme or orange thyme. Yeah. And that will even that little change will completely alter how, say, um, there's an onion tart recipe in the book that's really lovely. But if I make it with regular thyme, it tastes like, you know, summer. If I make it with lemon thyme, that kind of brightness makes it taste a bit more spring-like. And, Orange time makes it taste a bit more kind of cold monthsy, a bit more autumnal winter. Mm-hmm. And it's the same with mint. You know, there are so many great varieties of mint uh, and yeah. they do different things. And you, so you get to play, you get to, to do it your way, even just by having, you know, five or six herbs by the back door. And yet you will change every meal you eat if you want to. And that's that's just so amazing. And so, with such a small effort, you know. Exactly. And I think that is what, you know, it is very rightly said, it's a good thing to start growing with. And it, and it just creates this incredible larder in a mm. way, you know, natural larder that you just adds flavor to your mm. food. And you don't have to do very difficult things, like you said, potatoes, or even just saute some onions and caramelize them and then add herbs to them and then add them in your food. You know, just it's little things. And it's 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 so easy to be experimental with herbs. That's the it beauty is. of it. It really is. So then let's talk a little bit about um, growing certain herbs from seeds. Mm. Now, I know that people find that very daunting mm. because you have to start them as little seedlings. And then what you do with them, which ones would you say are the best herbs to try growing from seed at home? Well, that's that's really interesting. I would uh, I think my 
first answer would be um, I would definitely go for um, coriander. Now, coriander is mm-hmm. an interesting thing. If you ask anybody about growing coriander, they'll say the same thing. What happens is uh, you sow it, it will come up perfectly happily. It will grow merrily into a good-sized plant, and then you take some to, I don't know, add to a curry or whatever, um, and then you go back the next day and it's gone to seed. That's true. Yeah. I mean, that's just the way it is. And, and it's, it's a right pain because it's taken a while to get it up to be a proper plant. And then you get one meal out and you think, why didn't I just buy it in the supermarket? But actually, there's two ways, yeah. two ways, three ways that I would come at growing coriander. One is I would just accept that's what it does. But then what you get is you get the green coriander seed. So it's a kind of brighter, more aromatic version of yeah. the, you know, the dried stuff that we get um, and that we, you know, usually crush up and add it to either spice mixes or use it on its own. Um, so that's one thing I would do. So except it goes to seed and that's okay. Um, the other thing you could do, and I really recommend anybody to do this, is get a seed tray, you know, just one, I don't know what they kind of 10 by four or five inches, mm-hmm. get an inch of compost in there. And then really densely sow coriander in it. You know, just scatter the seed really quite densely. Not so they're touching each other, but so that they're not far away from each other. And Mm -hmm. in the summer, it will take about seven or eight days. In the winter, it might take two weeks. They'll germinate and get to, I don't know, five to six centimetres tall and pick them then. Six, five or six centimetres tall. They're extraordinary. They're lovely little micro leaves, but they've got such intense flavour. Mm-hmm. Really, really intense flavour. Um, and I would, uh, 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 you need virtually nothing, maybe like four or five of these little seedlings on top of uh, whatever it is where you're after a bit of coriander. Don't cook them because they'll lose all their flavour very quickly. But that intensity, and it's such a clean corianderness, and it's ready between a week and two yeah. weeks. And it, it's the easiest thing in the world. And the thing with growing anything, I think, but certainly with herbs, is confidence and momentum is everything. If you can get yeah. stuff away like this uh, and you're getting flavour out of it, you suddenly realise that you don't need to have this mountain of knowledge that um, before you can start growing anything. You don't need to know everything. You can just see that this thing works. I wonder what it's like with basil. Yeah. Then you try it with basil. A week or two later, you're doing the same with basil, these really intense, delicious flavours. Um, and once you've got that, because the germination bit is the bit that people find, you know, is it going to work? Is it not going to work? Do I overwater it? Do I underwater it? Look on the back of the seed packet. It will tell you virtually everything you need to know. Um, you don't need to know everything about everything. You know, just look at what it says. If it says water it a lot, water it a lot. If it says don't water it very much, don't think that if you water it, you're giving it more love. You're probably killing it. So uh, that, that, that's what yeah. I would say. I would go for, I would go for um, the big flavoured uh, seedlings, things like chervil, basil, uh, yeah. coriander. Try them, pick them when they're six centimetres tall. Yes, they would grow into a big plant, but they will take time to get there and you'll only get one lot out of the coriander anyway before it goes to seed. So that's what yeah. I would do. Okay, wonderful. Mm. Thank you for that because those are great tips and I'm going to do some of those things. I don't think I germinate them and, you know, eat them at that sort of baby oh, stage that I should have them. And I know I have, I've had them in salads and I've had them before, but I've never really grown them at home so i think i might do that now well, <laughs> i'm quite inspired to really do, do. And, and one thing i should say is if you've got one of those coriander seedlings just one mm-hmm. don't be in too much of a rush to actually swallow it if you if you take one seedling like of coriander and give it a munch you can be chewing it for maybe a quarter of an hour and it will still give you wow. it's got so much flavor and it's extraordinary and wow. clean and not soapy and marvelous yep 
Yeah, because a lot of people do have issues with coriander mm. as in the full grown coriander plant being quite soapy. Mm. For, I mean, I would couldn't live without coriander, but a lot of people find it quite soapy, which is interesting. Mm. Um, so just a little bit about now. So if we grow ho- herbs at home, what are some of the herbs that you can use in more ways? I mean, some of the good herbs that you think should could be grown at home that can be used more than just in food. Mm. So possibly for drinks mm. and medicinal properties or, you know, to make you feel better in some way, I don't know, emotionally or physically, just some couple of herbs that you think are quite beneficial. Yeah, I would. Uh, that's a really, really interesting i think that for me lemon verbena is um it's probably mm-hmm. probably not my most used it's the same way the music isn't it not my most listened to mm-hmm. herb uh, but it's my yeah. favorite you know there i would use thyme and parsley um probably more than uh, and coriander more than lemon verbena you know but lemon verbena gives me a lot of pleasure it's um you know it's it, it it's a perennial which means you know it lasts for years and years but it loses mm-hmm. its leaves over winter but it's got such an intense sherbety lemoniness to it very good mm-hmm. if you're making um i'm not a great drinker of herb teas but it makes one of the great herb teas it's bright it's fresh it's like sherbety lemons um very zingy and kind of upbeat um it's very good for making lemon uh, limoncello uh, i use it in different kinds of ways but it's also very good in tandem with two other herbs that I would suggest. One is um, Moroccan mint. Moroccan mint makes the yep. best mojitos, yep. the best, uh, yeah, it really does. <laughs> yeah. uh, but it's also a really wonderful tea. And the two, lemon verbena and Moroccan mint go really well together. But my, my third one would probably be rosemary. Uh, rosemary is particularly good um, for kind of stimulating the memory and stimulating the um clarity in the in the mind and um that in combination with lemon verbena is really marvelous the kind of top end of the lemon being so bright and breezy and the rosemary being kind of uh i don't know more more kind of um autumnal a bit more wintry a bit deeper a bit basier um and the two together go extraordinarily well so i would say maybe those three would be the ones that immediately come to mind well, that's brilliant. I'm going to go get myself a lemon verbena plant. I, I think I did have one in my old home. And then when I moved uh, to this house about seven years ago, I never grew it again. Mm-hmm. And I think I will. I mean, I have all the others and I have a huge amount of Moroccan mint <laughs> that I actually I actually plucked a tiny planting from a food writer who lives up in the highlands called Gili Bashan. I went to see her and she has tons of Moroccan mint. Wow. And I just took a one little plant and I thought, oh, it's never going to grow because it was looking so dead by the time it came. And then it's been six years and that is completely taken over this massive box that I grow it in and every year it comes back in such you know such fervor it becomes bigger and I couldn't live without my Moroccan mint it's now. extraordinary isn't um, it and, and like you say like you say you can you can treat it harshly you don't have to show you love it or anything and it yep. still loves you um yeah it does <laughs> which is what we like which is what we like yes absolutely so i i wanted to ask you now i know that obviously you've written a book on herbs but you your herbs turn up in a lot of different books of mm. yours do herbs themselves as in standing there alone sometimes just spark recipes in your head that's really interesting um it, yes and and often um uh, there's, there's a there's a there's a uh, a lovely food writer val warner who one of his, mm-hmm. one of the things he's very attached to, and he demonstrates it a lot when he's cooking, is is that things that grow together kind of go together, and you know, he, he for him that might be I don't know venison and juniper and things like that, um, you know, where they come from the same landscape. But I've, I, 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 I'm, and it's, I'm, 
uh, we've kind of discussed in the past um, whether we think that's because we associate the two together or whether they actually really do because they're you know whether there's something inherent but i it's just, it's this very similar thing in a garden where i might see two things you know i <clears throat> i was years ago there, there was a kind of dry patch of the garden where lavender and um rosemary were growing together uh, and it, and it made it immediately made me think well they kind of grow in the same conditions and they you know very Mediterranean in their kind of outlook and I just wondered whether it might not be worth trying a bit of lavender in a kind of roasted lamb recipe and it was great it was really brilliant and and obviously quite soon afterwards the worst kind of discovery is that um other people have discovered it well before you and that's it <laughs> so the more I looked into it the more I realized you know that yes other people had kind of thought the same but nevertheless nevertheless it's those little sparks that often happen you know you think i wonder you know um if that would go with that or you happen to have a little nibble on a a, a lovage seed you know the, the lovage has gone over into seed and you have a little nibble on it and, and it's very kind of woody and bitter and intense and if you happen to nibble i, I as i did i nibbled a, a fennel seed soon afterwards and i thought hang on these two really do go really well together i wonder if i could put them in some kind of blend together and and that is often what happens you just end up going up uh, essentially what you're saying is i wonder if this shirt goes with these trousers um and, it, yeah. and occasionally it really doesn't but a lot of the time you think well it does if i wear this hat uh, or this jacket yeah. and it's that's that's one of the pleasures you know you're constantly playing with um these these different combinations of things that are familiar to you but not in not in their kind of pairings and triples you know yeah no absolutely and i think some of the things that i find quite interesting in you know for me growing growing up in a different climate in a different country and then moving here it was actually quite exciting for me because i'd never seen things like you know lavender growing at my doorstep and rosemary growing mm -hmm. at my doorstep um and then it, it inspired a lot of ways that i could use those together in my own cooking mm -hmm. which was even more exciting because even though they didn't grow you know a lot of the recipes didn't grow together with these things they did give me inspiration to you know uplift them and make them more local and taste slightly different and more with the life that i'm leading right now so that's the beauty of these things because they can actually inspire recipes you already know yeah but they can kind of take them to a different level and change them and make them more relevant to your life well, this, now. I, I think this is really, um, this is a really important thing, you know, is that, is that we're not, we're not, you know, we, we, we can take things that don't traditionally go together and think, I wonder, and I think yeah. this is something that I, I, do, I do love about your food is that um, there's a kind of time depth, you know, there's a rootedness, there's a history there, but there's, there's also this sense of play and kind of inventiveness on the top. And I think that's really, that, that's a combination I really love where you, you think mm -hmm. that with that, give over, you know, and then you try it and it's like, whoa, hang on, you know, maybe we need a little tweak or something else just to join the dots between them. But that's where a lot of the creativity and a lot of the fun is. And I think, um, I think that's really, and it's really interesting what you say, you know, having lived in a completely different climate with fairly different plants lots of differently indigenous uh, flavors and a lot of traditional flavors then you you come to this country and you have some of those going on but then there's a whole different kind of palette palette you can play with that's a, that's a yeah. real that that to me would be my dad was born in sri lanka it would be quite fun mm -hmm. to go to back to sri lanka and play in that in that landscape in the with those uh different opportunities you know and, and see what came out 
Yeah, and and it's like what I love is that um, sometimes things don't work, but what they do give you is an idea of the fact that you know recipes always evolve, mm. and you know even recipes we look at them, it's how they have traveled from one country to the other mm. or one person to the other. Mm. If you don't, you know, I love authenticity in recipes, but I also love that, like you said, the playfulness mm. and the ability to make recipes yours, and I think that. I think that herbs really give you that ability to make recipes yours because a lot of recipes, you know, when you look at herbs, people would use them in a traditional way. But if you find a new way of using them, that recipe becomes your signature recipe. I mean, yes, maybe 100 people might have done something similar, but not necessarily. And, and I think that is a really exciting thing about herbs. Oh, it's really, I couldn't put it better. I mean, that, that, that really is it. You know, you, what, you're, what you're saying here is that, you know, these are the clothes that other things you know the main recipe the main ingredients dress up in and if you you know if you use ginger rosemary rather than straight rosemary or slightly different mint it, the results are different and and it becomes yours you've made this you know it, it, you've made this creation and yeah. that builds confidence but also it's just a joy in itself you know and i, but I, I do think that confidence thing is important once you start doing it you realize how how much pleasure it is, but also how easy it is, which is not to say there won't be mistakes. I mean, if you're not, if you're not turning out the odd thing in the kitchen, that's a little bit, well, well, you know, that that wasn't quite (laughs) what it should have been, then you're really not getting very, you're not really playing, you're being quite safe. And I think that's, you hate be safe if you want it. But if you do want to try, I made a, uh, one of my other books, there's a celeriac and lemon thyme creme brulee, which a very good friend of mine, Emma, who um, it, she just pulled the biggest "I'm not eating that" face, um, and <laughs> and I I made her go and make it, um, and I can't remember if she did, but I did actually say to her, "Look, you've got to, you can't be that mean about a recipe and then not make it," because um, I'm telling you, it's really really good. But it did take three different ways of coming at it to to make it good. Uh, it wasn't the first take, as it were, that was the good one. Yeah. No, I think that's it. And I and I think once you do discover that something works mm. after a few trials and errors, you know, it's it's a real confidence boost. And and also in your writing, it's the same thing in your writing when you write, uh, you know, it's going to be horrible initially. Yes. And then slowly you start to like tweak it and find the way to say it properly. And you find your voice within it. And then suddenly it all comes together. And it's about tweaking, testing and not being afraid to fail. Do you know what? I think this is this is something that was so um, freeing, I found it really, really, really freeing, was to um, accept, I, I, I think I'd started looking at writing as a two, as a two phase thing. One was get it out, and then the other was to craft it later. And that might be later in yeah. the day, it might be a week's time, it doesn't matter. But getting the thing out without wrestling it mm-hmm. into the final words, I find, really important because you, you all you're doing is trying to get this thing out and it's it's a bit like you know when you wake up sometimes and you know you've had a dream but you can't remember the content of the dream but you're left with the feeling of it and yeah uh, you know it's left you feeling anxious or happy or there was something but you can't remember their little clip little snippets and stuff is actually getting that feeling out is the most important thing while you're in it and i think if i'm too busy crafting the words then there are two things going on one is i'm already f- I'm already thinking about the reader and that's taking me away from being where I should be, which is in myself and doing all that stuff. Um, but I'm also 
slowing the process. I'm not letting it kind of come out and getting as much down as possible. So you've got to let it be up to me. I let it be rubbish. I let it be. I let yeah. it be absolutely terrible. It doesn't matter if I can get it out, whatever it is, however awfully and however chopped up and however kind of backwards and whatever it may be, just get it out and then craft it and then try and make it into something that makes sense. Having got the almost the colours out on the paper on the page is then to try and kind of organize them so that it creates something that's more digestible and more of a picture and i think that to me was really important yeah no absolutely there's a reason why it's called a shitty fast draft it absolutely is but also the other thing that it allows you to do is forget the jury yeah. forget the people who you invisibly you know the, who you imagine are judging you um and just get so allow it to be rubbish, but you've accepted that. So get it out onto the page and then play with it. But let it be two things. Yep. Exactly. No, that's a really good way to, to finish that off because I think it's got to be written mm. and it can be rubbish, but your ideas on the page. And I think sometimes, you know, I sometimes get ideas uh, just before I'm going to bed and I have these amazing ideas and they just come to me and I just write them down and they totally sound crazy rubbish but in the morning <laughs> I'll sit with them and I'll sit with them and I'll journal about them and then they'll just become something and then I start writing them down into you know onto the screen and I'm like ooh this idea was a germ of an idea a seed mm. of an idea mm. and then it just starts to grow like this beautiful healthy plant and it just becomes something with tweaking and giving it more love and being kind to it you know I think we're not kind to our writing we're not kind to yes. our acts even when we cook we're not kind we just expect it to be something that everyone expects it to be yeah. but we don't get there without without actually be kind to the the creative process itself. absolutely that you gain no you gain no better words for hitting yourself over the head with a mallet you know you really don't you know <laughs> exactly. you just be be nice to yourself imagine you're not a horrible yep. uncreative person and give yourself a chance <laughs> exactly no that's absolutely a wonderful way to end this chat and thank you so much mark for your time and for your knowledge and for sharing your journey with herbs with writing uh, really appreciate it oh do you know what's about it's just been a, a complete joy you know i, I uh, it's always lovely chatting with you it's lovely reading your words and a uh, complete thank pleasure you. to be here so thank you Now, if you're looking for a way to really harness your writer's voice, you know, the writer's voice that Mark and I were just speaking about, being able to write like yourself, then you might find my 21-day email and audio course, Wordsmith, useful. Wordsmith is out later this spring, and it's all about spending 21 days to change a habit. They say it takes 21 days to change a habit, and in this 21-day course, I'll be sending you an email every day with tasks to help you bring your writer's voice out onto a page. So if that's something you would love to know more about, do sign up to the waitlist, and the link is below this podcast. Finally, I would love it if you could rate and review this podcast on your podcast platform if you enjoyed it. This really helps me to reach those who might also benefit from it. So until next time, thank you so much for listening to A Savoured Life with me, Sumaya. And until then, choose a slower life, choose a savoured life. Thank you.